Well, last week we took some time to look at the resurrection as recorded in Luke chapter 24. And we saw the arrival of the women who came to the tomb and saw the stone moved aside. They went inside and found the tomb empty. And the angels came and spoke to them and reminded them of the message that Christ had told them many times. How he would come to Jerusalem, the leaders would crucify him, but he would raise again the third day. This marked the third day when they arrived at the tomb. They should not have been surprised, but they were because of their unbelief. But God in his grace and in his mercy provided for them the angels and the evidence to turn their doubts and fears to faith and trust. And they went to their friends and told them all that they had seen and heard. A little after that, two of the company who were in that group to which the women came after they had seen the angels in the empty tomb left Jerusalem to walk to Emmaus, about seven miles to the west of Jerusalem. And we find it recorded in the scriptures that I handed out and we'll just go down through it and see some interesting truths that this passage can teach us how God dealt with these two people. It says as they were going to the village, they were walking and they were talking together. Kind of a common practice. Even though we ride in vehicles, we talk with each other as we progress to our destination. And they spoke of the events of that past week, which would have included Christ coming into the city of Jerusalem, riding on the colt of an ass as the King and the Messiah was prophesied in Scripture to arrive, and how the crowds had come out initially to give him great praise and honor, and later in the week would call, crucify him. And they saw the one they loved and the one they trusted crucified. Well, they spoke of those events. As they walked along, a third person came to join them. They didn't recognize this person, The writer tells us, of course, knowing of these events sometime previous to his writing them, lets us know it was Jesus. Jesus appeared to walk with them, but they didn't recognize him. As they walk along, he says, what are you talking about? Kind of a common phrase, isn't it? We use that phrase ourselves when we come to friends that are in a discussion and we come and join with them and say, well, what are you talking about? And that's what Jesus said. What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still and looked sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him and said, are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know what has happened? Do you sense maybe just a little bit of bite in that? Where have you been? Come up to speed. Don't you know what has gone on in the past week? Are you the only one here who doesn't know? And then they began to relate to him 
and in the process revealing the condition of their mind and of their heart as they spoke. They said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Besides, today is the third day. Moreover, some women of our company went to the tomb early in the morning and they did not find his body and they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels. And some of our party, and we know that was Peter and John, some of our party went down to the tomb and they found it just like the women had said. Do you sense the attitude of these two as they walked? They called Jesus a prophet. We had hoped he was the Messiah. We had hoped he was the one. Well, what caused you to doubt? And besides, today is the third day. I find that a little ironic. They're just perhaps counting days. But hadn't Jesus told them that it was the third day that he would arise from the dead? That's a little bit of an ironic twist here in their comment. And besides, today is the third day. And some women came and told us that they had gone to the tomb and he wasn't there. And you can just can sense their perplexity and their confusion and their misunderstanding of all things that they had seen and heard over the previous years of the ministry of Christ. Kind of dumbfounded. We don't know what to make of all of this. We thought he was the one. We had trusted that he was. And almost kind of a little sense, he needs to let us down. He didn't quite do what this person was supposed to do. We thought he was the one. and Don't you just kind of sense that a little bit? Just a little twinge of, boy, we thought he was the one, and man, were we wrong. He misled us. He didn't do what this Messiah was supposed to do, at least according to their minds and according to their understanding. And we see here a display of these two, even though they had heard Christ teach, even though they had heard the report of the women and of the men, they still doubted. They still questioned. They still wondered and were perplexed of the reports that they had brought to the group. Unbelief will do that. Unbelief caused them to have confusion, misunderstanding, doubts, questions. All came because they didn't believe what Jesus had told them. We find that in our day as well, don't we? We can't throw stones at them, so to speak, can we? 
We do the same thing. We have experiences that come in life that cause us to question and to doubt and to misunderstand God. We've got God in a certain box and when he doesn't do things the way we think he ought to do them, then we kind of doubt him and question him, just like these people did. And we get confused and worry and fret and fearful and doubt begins to well up within our minds and our hearts. Very common practice, these two men, their experiences reveal to us. Oh, but notice what happens next. Reading from Luke 24, starting in number 25. And Jesus said to them, Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Sometimes we get a picture of God sitting up in the heavens, just kind of a grand old grandpa. And looking down upon us and just saying, oh boy, you know, isn't that a shame? Kind of wringing his hands. Kind of being the the kind, old, gracious person that um, kind of turns his, uh, his eye aside from our unbelief and our doubts and our questions. And just, oh well, you know, kids will be kids. We do that. God doesn't do that. You see how he immediately chastised them and corrected them? He called them fools. You foolish ones. You have sat under my ministry. You heard me speak. Now, they didn't know it was Jesus. But you don't even believe the scriptures. Forgetting for a moment the reports of the women and the reports of Peter and John and the angel's message to them. Forget that for the moment. You don't believe the scriptures. You have the scriptures. You read them. And by the way, in that day, the Jewish people were very devout in their reading of the scriptures and of their memorizing and learning the scriptures. You don't believe the scriptures, he said to them. Slow of heart, doubting the very words of the prophets, questioning them. Was it not necessary that the Messiah, the Christ, would come and suffer these things that you're talking about and raise again? Don't the scriptures talk about that? In our common language. (laughs) And then it says, and beginning at Moses. Now when he said that, you have to understand a little bit about the Jewish scriptures. The Jewish people arranged the order of the scriptures in the Old Testament 
a little differently than we do in our common publications. We use the same books that they use in the Old Testament, but they have them ordered a little bit differently. They call them the books of Moses, the Pentateuch. Then they have the books of history. Then they have the, the Psalms and the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And then they have the prophets. And Jesus said to them, starting with Moses. Now, in that sense, we have a similar place for the books of Moses in our Bibles. The books of Moses that he wrote, we have as the first five books in our Bibles as well. And beginning at Moses, Jesus taught to them all the things in the scriptures concerning himself. Oh, what a study lesson that must have been. Jesus taking them through the scriptures, pointing out to them all of the things concerning himself. And since they questioned the things of the past week, he must have pointed out how in the Old Testament it told about how those things would come to pass upon the coming Messiah so that they would see and understand the correlation and the relationship between the Old Testament scriptures and the Christ, the Messiah. And he taught them all of these things concerning himself. That, my friends, is significant. It's significant in many ways. It's significant from the standpoint that God was gracious and merciful to these two who displayed such unbelief. He came to them. He came to help them. He came, first of all, and corrected them. But this is an interesting thing about the correction of God. The correction of God brings comfort. When God corrects us and chastises us for our wrong, for our sin, for our unbelief, our doubt. When he does that, he does that that he might bring us through it to faith and to belief and to comfort. And that's exactly what he did with these two. We'll see in a moment. But the grace and the mercy of God to come to these two walking kind of befuddled and came to them with a message of hope and certainty. The grace of God, the mercy of God, the loving compassion of God, and spoke concerning himself, and he taught them from the scriptures. It gives us a real glimpse into the character and nature of God and of his Son, the Lord Jesus. And then we see another truth here, and it's this. All of the scriptures talk about one person, Jesus. Oh, now in the process of talking about Jesus, other people come into the story, just like the novels that you read and the histories that you read. It may be about a particular battle or a particular person, but there are many other people part of that story 
and many events part of that story, that is true in the Bible as well. Primarily, it talks about Jesus. And it tells about other people and other events and the God of all creation progressively throughout the scriptures reveals the Messiah. The one whom he had promised to Adam and Eve in the garden when they sinned. The seed of the woman will come and he will crush the head of the serpent. That was the start. And from that simple start, God progressively through scripture reveals Jesus. Jesus did that with Cleopas and his friend and his companion. He began with Moses and taught them all the things in the scriptures concerning himself. We have a great tendency in our day to disregard the Old Testament. We take too much of the title for a meaning. That's old. That doesn't have any bearing on us. That's Old Testament. I want to read the New Testament. That which pertains to me, because Jesus, when he came, made all things new. Don't overlook the Old Testament, friends. That was all the scriptures the disciples had. When they talk in the letters that they wrote about the scriptures, they're not talking about the letters that they wrote to each other. They're talking about the Old Testament. The scriptures of the Old Testament. And we see their value displayed for us here by the Lord Jesus. Beginning at Moses and going through all of the prophets, he taught them concerning himself. Now as he's teaching, they progress in their journey towards Emmaus. And as they get close to the village, the two friends say to their third visitor who joined them, Look, it's late. Why don't you just stop and stay with us and have a bite to eat? And then you can continue your journey in the morning. They drew near to the village, it says, to which they were going. He, meaning the visitor, Christ, he acted as if he was going to go farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. This one, this one who joined us, this one whom we doubted, this one whom we thought was the one, was the one. And he was with us. And he taught us. Listen to what they say. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us? Oh, what a sense of feeling they must have had in their inner beings. Listening to Jesus talk to them about himself from the scriptures that they knew so well but had misunderstood. And their eyes slowly getting opened by the ministry of God's word. And now to have the final revelation to them as they sat at supper. Jesus giving them the bread and they see the nail prints in his hands. 
Did not our hearts burn within us while we walked and while he talked to us and while he opened to us the scriptures? Have you ever had that delight, my friends? The delight of having God open the scriptures to you while you read them and have the Spirit of God open your eyes to see something that you had never seen? And the joy and the feeling that that brings within you? And the encouragement and the faith that wells up within you? That's what they had. That's what they had. And they rose that same hour. It wasn't so late now wasn't so late now. Their hearts were filled with joy and excitement and boy, it didn't look dark to them. It says they turned around and went back the seven miles and journeyed back to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord has risen indeed. He has appeared to Peter, which they knew because Peter and John had come back to them after they had visited the tomb. But they just kind of rehearse that fact. And then they say, and then they told them all of the things that happened to them as they walked to Emmaus and how they recognized him and how he had revealed himself to them as they ate supper together. Does that excite you a little bit to think about that? And to ponder in your mind's eye how that must have occurred? And they get a little bit of the sense at first of their questions and their doubts because we've been there. All of us have been there. Maybe even right now you're going through something that puts you right there. Some questions, some doubts, some misunderstandings. And then to see how Jesus in his kindness taught them opened their eyes to see the truth and they believed and it completely changed their lives. Because the scriptures, all of the scriptures, reveal to us Jesus Christ, the Messiah, in his totality, we must make a practice of reading the scriptures, examining them, studying them, asking the Spirit of God. That's the one that Jesus prayed the Father would send, send the Comforter, and he described to them what this Comforter would do. He will teach you. He will teach you all things that I've said. And as we examine the scriptures and we study them and we read them, we pray and we ask the Spirit of God to open our eyes to see, to understand and to believe and to trust. Changing us from doubt and fear to faith and joy. And then these events can't help but reveal to us a glimpse into the character of God.
gracious, merciful, loving, kind, just. In fact, he loves us so much that he will correct us when we're wrong. That's the sign of true love, you know. True love will confront and correct us when we're wrong with the intent and purpose of comforting us and helping us to see the truth that we might experience joy. And it displays to us God's character that we can enjoy, that we might worship Him, that we might trust Him, obey Him, fall in love with Him. Can a person fall in love with Jesus? Why not? We fall in love with all kinds of things, don't we? We fall in love with a spouse. And we married. And we loved them. And we enjoyed fellowship with them. We have other friends that we love. Children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren that we love. And we enjoy fellowship with them. Why not fall in love with Jesus? The lover of our souls who proved and demonstrated his love for us to depths that no human would ever display. Giving up all of his splendor with his Father that he might take up on himself human flesh like you and me. That he might reconcile us back to God that he might redeem us, that he might pay the penalty that we deserve to pay. And those of us who have come to faith in Christ, it should cause us great joy to worship him and honor him for what he has done for us. And if you have never come to faith in Christ, today would mark a good day to do that. As we see the beauty of the Lord Jesus and his love for people like you and like me. I pray that the Spirit of God will open your eyes as he did these two on the road to Emmaus to see the totality of Christ and the reality of his resurrection and of his person and what he came to accomplish on behalf of people like you and me. to help us get a further understanding and grasp of some of those things during the coming weeks we will start at Moses as Jesus did with these two and we will begin to go through some of the pictures and examples and revelations of Christ in the Old Testament to get a grip and a grasp upon his character and his nature And we will pursue those studies over coming weeks. And I pray that the Spirit of God will use those in your life and in your lives to further understand the Lord Jesus and to fall in love with Him. And that it might encourage your faith and your trust in Him. Well, I pray the Lord will do that starting with this one today. Thank you for coming. Let's close in prayer.